Welcome to Transparent Homeschooling with Carla Givens. Today on the show, I have a special guest. Her name is Michelle Brazelton. This is the first time I've ever spoken with her or even seen her face. And so that's what I've loved so much about this podcast is meeting people that I never would have met before. Um, I actually had one of my listeners, Ashley Bundy, shout out to her. Um, She actually asked if I would talk to someone who has a kid with special needs and who uses the Simply Classical curriculum, which is Memoria Press, but it's for special needs. So I reached out to Cheryl Swope, who is the creator of Simply Classical. She thought that based on what um, I was wanting and like what this podcast is all about, she thought that it would be a good idea to talk to somebody who is currently homeschooling and using Simply Classical, currently has a child with special needs, and she recommended Michelle. Michelle has written some pieces for Simply Classical for their um, catalog that they send out each month. Um, if you don't get that, you can subscribe to it on Memoria Press. Um, it's, it's really great. Everything from Memoria Press is just so, so great. We already use that curriculum for most things, but I did not know really anything about Simply Classical. So it was a lot of fun to get to know Michelle and to learn about more about this part of the Memoria Press curriculum. And um, so when I was talking to her on email before, you know, while setting up this interview, she had asked that we not mention her kids' names or her child's diagnosis. And I completely respect that and actually thought, you know, it was very admirable for her to, you know, to want to protect her kids. You know, we're all mama bears here, so I totally understand that. So just know when we're talking, we're not going to mention her kids' specific special needs or anything like that. But, I mean, it's really not necessary because everything that she says is just, it's, it could be useful for a child without special needs or a child that has anything from, you know, ADD to you know, severe autism. So really her, her advice and her wisdom is not just for parents of special needs. It's for anybody. Um, because we're all struggling with different things. And honestly, everybody's, every individual's needs are special in some way. Right. So, um, I think that she did a wonderful job of addressing addressing how to teach children with special needs and how to use this curriculum, but also just how to be a homeschooling mom. And she gives some great advice here. I love how she starts out talking about how much she struggled in the very beginning. And it was beautiful to hear her story from the beginning to where she is now. So I'm going to stop blabbering because I know you just want to listen to the interview. So I just want to say thank you, Michelle. It was so great to talk with you. Um, and listeners, please reach out and let me know. I keep hearing some great feedback and a lot of you have, um, have recommended different people for me to talk to and different subjects for me to talk about. So I have some really cool interviews lined up that I'm really excited about. Next week, I'm going to talk to somebody in Australia who unschools and wild schools her kids. And so um, that's pretty exciting. And then I have a few others lined up after that. So if you have anything that you want to hear or anybody that you want me to reach out to, I will reach out to them. Even if they say no, I don't care. I will try. So just let me know. You can message me on Instagram or on Facebook, or you can email me at transparenthomeschooling 
at gmail.com. So please let me know what you like and let me know who you want me to talk to and what you want to hear about. And here is Michelle Brazelton. Hey, Michelle, how are you? Good. How are you? Oh, I'm great. Thank you so much for being on here today. I am super excited to be here. Well, just talk a little bit about yourself, your family, and your background. We've met, we've never met before, so I am really excited to get to know you just along with all the listeners. My name is Michelle Brazelton. I have three kids. The oldest is 12, the next is 10, and the one after that is almost eight. Another two weeks, I think, is her birthday. So um, we are planning birthday parties over here. I have homeschooled since 2013. I looked it up. I had to, <laughs> it's okay. just, it just all kind of blends together. So to, to realize that it's been that long is, is exciting. To me, it just feels like forever. I've homeschooled since they were born, right? <laughs> right, exactly. It's, it's definitely a lifestyle. It's, it's a culture for sure. Once you get into it. So where do you live? We live in Colorado, and it's actually a beautiful sunny day. We've already had snow, but the snow has melted, oh. and it's beautiful. Yay. And the kids are playing in the backyard, so hopefully we won't hear, like, screaming in the background. <laughs> yeah, if you do, it's probably for my house. We're in Tennessee, and it's, like, 65 degrees here. Um, we visited Colorado a few years ago because my brother-in-law is from there and we went to Breckenridge and that was the first time I'd ever been there and it was beautiful. It was in October and it snowed like a foot and my kids absolutely loved playing in it. <laughs> it was such yes, a I think Breckenridge got 18 inches earlier this week. Wow. I mean, they got a lot of snow. They got a lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, I would love to go back. We really enjoyed that trip. And that was so different because normally when we go on a trip, we just go to the beach, you know, <laughs> which is fun too. So how did you start your path of homeschooling? What led you to that? Well, I never intended to homeschool. I, I'm not one of those mamas who like was pregnant and was already picking out homeschool curriculum. That was not me. I am the product of the public school system and it worked just fine for me. And I really had no experience with any other options. And so when my oldest, um, when it was time to start kindergarten, off he went. And he had been in early intervention before that. And so when we started kindergarten, it was with high hopes and it became quite a struggle, especially towards the end of the year, I realized that like his needs were not being met. And, um, and I thought, I started to kind of consider homeschooling. And then towards the end of kindergarten, you have like that uh, spring testing, you know, and he actually scored lower on his test at the end of kindergarten than he did when he went into kindergarten, which I didn't even know was possible. But um, I think really what it was, was that he had given up on himself, not that he had lost skills, mm -hmm. but that he had internalized that he was different mm -hmm. and he just stopped trying is, is the only explanation that I can come up with. And so I thought, well, let's try this homeschooling thing. I can't possibly do any worse than that. <laughs> and so um, the next year uh, we, we started homeschooling and it was a disaster. 
we were not successful and it turned out that in fact i could do worse oh no <laughs> it was it was not um all sunshine and roses and i think it's important for your listeners to hear that yes. it doesn't work out the way you planned no matter how well you've planned it it doesn't always work out that way and so there was a lot of tears both from him and from me and because it it was not successful once again um i went into it with this great idea that he had done a year of kindergarten mm -hmm. and so we should be able to just kind of like fill in the gaps in like a semester just blow through kindergarten really quick fill in those gaps and just nicely move on and get to grade level because um, that's what we're all worried about, right? We need to compare ourselves to others and we want to be equal or I, I don't know how to say that, but like we want, we, we compare ourselves yeah. and being at grade level is like the mark of success, the mark of accomplishment. Mm -hmm. And that was my goal, honestly, and we weren't hitting it. And so after a semester of homeschooling, repeating kindergarten, and that wasn't successful. We were crying. I just laid in bed and I was just praying, you know, Lord, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing, but this is, this is not it. And I need guidance and I don't know what to do. And, um, I had this and I'd kind of like fall asleep and wake up. It was just like deep, that moment of like deep, deep prayer of, crying out for help. I didn't know any other homeschoolers. This was totally new. And I had this sensation that somebody was in my bedroom with me. And I woke up and just sensed like pure panic, terror. There's somebody in this room with me. They're not supposed to be in here. And I heard very clearly the message. He is right where he should be. I'm okay with it because I put him there and now you need to be okay with it. Mm, you just gave me chills. Wow. <laughs> and my panic went to total calm mm -hmm. and I slept great the rest of the night. And it was a message that I needed to hear at that exact moment mm -hmm. because it changed the direction of our homeschool. Wow. And I woke up the next day and I said, we're starting over. We're throwing this out. And we took a break and I looked more into like what goals I had. And, um, and it's a message that I still need to remind myself of because I still get into that sensation of we're not, making you know progress and mm -hmm. and it's important that especially with our special needs kids that they kind of break the mold in so many different ways and it's on one hand it's heartbreaking to have to change your your goals for them or like what equals success mm -hmm. but it's also incredibly liberating mm -hmm. at the same time it's like it's like a tightrope walk. Of, mm -hmm. um, you have the opportunity to meet them right where they're at and encourage them to, to 
to follow their path, you know, to Mm -hmm. just blossom in their strengths while at the same time you're, you're lifting up their weaknesses. Yes, that is so good. Thank you for sharing that. So let's um, dive into that a little bit because that is hard for so many because we all fall into that comparison trap, no matter where our kids are, no matter if they're special needs or not. So having a special needs kid along with um, other kids too, how do you decide what expectations you have for him versus the other kids? That is tricky and it changes based on like who's in the room, right? Right. Um, And especially because his siblings are younger than Mm -hmm. him. And that changes the the dynamic. One of the things that that we have to work on is comparison Mm -hmm. within our own kids, not just comparison as adults of like, you know, can your kid tie their shoes? Can your kid ride their bike yet? Um, But you also see that child comparing themselves with siblings. And you see the siblings comparing themselves with him. Mm -hmm. Um, So just because you pull one, I know one of the things that a lot of people are worried about is, you know, bullying in the public schools or Mm -hmm. or whatever school system your your child is in, bullying. And um, we want to keep our kids safe. We want to pull our kids out of that and the comparison trap of being in school. But those comparisons are are still at play around your dining room table. Like it doesn't, it's not a panacea. It doesn't just go away because everybody is in the same family. There is still comparisons. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just a heart to heart conversation that I have with my special needs student, but also with the siblings. And sometimes that's, you know, a group conversation of the world would be a boring place if we all had the same strengths and weaknesses yeah. and that God did not make a mistake when he made any of us. We are all made in his image. Mm-hmm. And that's, so we're not going to pick on anybody because they have different struggles than us because um, we all have different strengths and weaknesses for sure. Yes. Definitely. I mean, we struggle with that too, because I have, you know, four kids and the older two are very close in age and the younger two are very close in age. So I have my older one who struggles in one subject that the younger one excels in, like really excels in and then vice versa. So we have, I mean, we have the same things and I have those conversations constantly and it's a constant war within myself of, okay, do I let her slack a little bit in the subject? Cause I know she's struggling with it and she's insecure or, you know, like, it's just, it's that constant trying to figure out, okay, we have to do hard things sometimes, but also how lenient can I be with certain things that I know that they're struggling with, especially with anxiety and things like that. So, <laughs> you know, one of the things that I took to heart, um, I, I sat in on a session by Andrew Pudua, which is mm-hmm. IEW. Yeah. And one of his statements is you can never help a student too much. That's good. Because... They are born to be independent. That is their goal, right? They want to prove to you that they can do it. And so if you step over the line of helping them too much, they will push back and they will say, mom, I got this. You know, I can do it. Let me do it on my own. And you need to hear that Mm -hmm. and step back. Even if you know that child 
really doesn't have it, you know, like they're yeah. going to struggle through it, but that's okay to let them struggle with, with that in that case, because they are exerting that independence and, and to, to let that, let that bus go, you know, and, yeah. and some kids learn through that. So I consistently remind myself, I can't help too much. And they do, they push back. Mm-hmm. I've seen it. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. And that's so good too. I have to remind myself of that too. And to just let them, it's okay for them to struggle. It's so hard for us to see our kids struggle, especially when we do homeschool and we're trying to keep them away from so many things, but, but we're still not keeping them away from it because it's in our home, like you said. And so that's good though, because I mean, they still need, they still need to go through that. So let's talk a little bit about diagnosis. Um, we talked about that before I hit record. Um, I have several friends who, who have kids who have learning or behavioral difficulties, but don't really have a diagnosis and aren't sure if they should go down that route to even do that because, you know, would it become a crutch? Would it become something that follows them for the rest of their life? Um, what advice do you have? So I have struggled with that as well because of that same that exact thing that it's going to become a crutch or an excuse, like a get out of jail card. Right. And, and we're already, especially in a homeschool environment, I don't need a diagnosis Mm -hmm. to change what I do on a daily basis Mm -hmm. in a a bricks and sticks uh, school environment where if you change the, you know, if you make accommodations, you need a piece of paper that says you can do these accommodations. And as a homeschooler, I don't have that requirement. And so for a long time, I did not ever pursued it because I just tweaked the curriculum um, when I saw fit. But, and that's, that's an easy thing to kind of say when your child is younger. Mm-hmm. Um, my son is in seventh grade. As they get older, there are different pressures on um on your student. Um, We did go through and get diagnoses. Uh, Cheryl Swope, who who writes the the curriculum that we use, the Simply Classical curriculum by Memoria Press, she has a, a great saying, which is the child that you took into that clinician's office, that doctor's office, is the same child that you're gonna take home with you that night. Words on a page do not change your love for your child, your your hopes and dreams for your child. That child is still the same child that you walked in with. So that's an important thing to keep in mind, no matter what that paper comes back with, because you might walk out with nothing on that piece of paper, right? That you thought that there was an issue there And the doctor was like, nope, nothing there. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, Or you could walk out and there's a lot more on that paper than what you expected. Right. So it's, it's about, and it's expensive to get these diagnoses. It's time consuming. It's exhausting to the child. Once again, you're, you're highlighting that they're different. Mm -hmm. Right. And so all of those things come in come in and get weighed in there on whether it's important. One of the things that I used to decide whether to pursue uh, diagnoses was what benefit would it bring? Mm -hmm. 
I know that it's important that if there is a diagnosis, that the child have that before, if their goal is to go on to higher education, or there's a possibility that that child might go back into a traditional school system, whether that be private school, parochial school, charter school, a public school, you know, there's so many options out there now. Um, but to have that foundation laid already mm-hmm. so that when your child goes into that, you're not at that point, not only is your child transitioning into that new school environment, but you're also trying to, to validate whether there are diagnoses at play. Mm-hmm. And so to be able to smooth that transition, if that transition needs to happen, but if your child is going to go into the military and go through military testing or go into higher education to have that history of those diagnoses um, before you start that process is important because there is a great big world out there if they need extra if your accommodation is that you give them extra time on tests or tests aren't timed or they can spell check on the computer for their essay you know questions or stuff like that and then you thrust them into the SATs or the ACTs and they don't have that modification and you're like no 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 they really need that without that piece of paper it's just a mom's word which is important but it's not it's not going to hold any weight at that level okay um so we did pursue diagnoses for our child i am glad that we did it highlighted some struggles that i didn't know were there mm-hmm. and it has dramatically increased my understanding and my empathy because there's a lot of people out there that are like, you just, you know, you coddle that child or you give them too many accommodations. They're, they're just playing you. And to have like an independent third party Mm -hmm. corroborate what you're seeing, what you're experiencing, what your child is experiencing, I think was a positive for my family okay. because it has highlighted just, you know, like there's sensory issues out there. Let's just choose that topic, a sensory issue. And you can know that your child has some sensory struggles, but to have somebody else say, no, this is a real deal. Like they can hear the lights or um, the feeling of, writing with the pencil on the paper, you know, that sensation or the sound that it makes can totally change how you homeschool. Like maybe you need to change the light bulbs so that they don't make that sound that you and I can't hear, but your child can, or to allow, you could say, oh, well, my kid, you know, doesn't like to wear a certain kind of shirt. He'll only wear this kind of a shirt. Um, doesn't like to wear socks or never wants to wear his shoes or, or whatever. And instead of you like hammering down on that, like, no, we wear socks and shoes to school, even if it's at the dining room table to appreciate, to have some empathy Mm -hmm. for how distracting that truly is to your child Mm -hmm. is eye opening. And if you get diagnoses and they can point some of those things out to you, you can make some really minor changes 
and see a dramatic difference in your child. Somebody posted on the Memorial Press Forum, I don't know who it is, but she had a great comment on this. I knew I was gonna to talk to you this week. And her comment is right, right in line with this, which is don't let labels become definitions of limitations. And that is really the concern there that we're gonna coddle this child and it's gonna keep them back mm -hmm. from their full potential. Mm -hmm. Or we know that they have a diagnosis and so we're, we're gonna hold them back so as not to put them in an uncomfortable spot. Mm -hmm. Like um, an ADHD child has some, they need a lot of movement. It doesn't mean that your child never has to sit down and like put pencil to paper and, and work on that, you know, but it encourages you to have realistic expectations of making sure that child gets plenty of breaks, making sure that child has other ways of learning or expressing what they do know that's maybe a little bit outside the box mm -hmm. while at the same time helping them in those struggle spots yeah. and, and slowly building up in those weak points. So maybe when you start, your child can only listen to, you know, the first two pages of a storybook and then they're lost and they're doing a headstand on the couch or something, right? <laughs> that doesn't mean that you're like, well, I can never read out loud to this kid because they won't pay attention, you know? But it just reminds you, okay, we reached our limit on that. And tomorrow we'll see if we can get through the third page and just slowly build up. And so I think those having a diagnosis, having that third party come in mm -hmm. and corroborate what you're seeing or feeling. And, and they've been on this track before, right? So they yeah. can give you some pointers about accommodations to make or um, ways to help that, that child. Yeah, that's great. Those are some really good points. And that makes the whole diagnosis part of it a little less scary too, to hear you say that. Um, so we talked a little bit before I hit record about when to tell or if you tell your child about their diagnosis. And so I thought you said some good things about that. So can you um, kind of re-say what you said to me before? <laughs> yeah, so just because you get you decide to have your child assessed. Doesn't mean that you have to share that diagnosis with that child at that exact moment in time. Mm -hmm. There is a time and a place for everything. And so you might get some, some, some diagnoses are, I'll call them like run of the mill. They're very common, mm -hmm. you know, uh, ADHD, sensory issues, um, are pretty common anymore. Anxiety is a pretty frequent one. There are some diagnoses that you can't hide, right? Like a hearing disability or um, a vision issue. You know, we both wear glasses, so we can't hide that, right? right. And if your kid needs glasses, you're going to have to tell them, listen, <laughs> you need glasses. But as far as behavioral or academic diagnoses, you don't have to share that with anybody. You don't have to share that with the child because you might get that diagnosis pretty young and the child wouldn't understand it. You know, right. it's above, it's above their comprehension level. Um, 
you don't have to share it with their Sunday school teacher. You don't need to wave your diagnoses on the flagpole out front and let everybody know about, you know, this struggle bus that's going on at the homeschool table. Mm -hmm. So personally, we haven't shared all of the diagnoses with our child. Um, as I said before, it, we discuss it as that God has made everybody different mm -hmm. for a reason. And we may not understand that reason right now, but um, we all have different strengths and weaknesses and our brains work differently. And that's not a bad thing. Yeah. So it's totally your decision whether you share that diagnosis with, you know, your great aunt Mildred at Thanksgiving <laughs> or not. That's totally right. your decision to do. Um, and sometimes when you share that diagnosis with your child or with close family and friends, it kind of completes the picture. Mm -hmm. They have this aha moment like, oh, I get it now. Um, my my son has some sensory struggles, so he does not like to wear socks and shoes and does not want to wear pants. So he will only wear like athletic shorts and uh, like silky uh, T-shirts. So sometimes family pictures can look a little odd, <laughs> right? Oh, we have the same thing. So, yeah, <laughs> I get it. <laughs> Now there are times like when you go play basketball, you have to wear socks and shoes, <laughs> which he's gotten away. He's snuck out of the house without them before. And, you know, <laughs> yes, yes. or, um, and so the, the idea of like, I don't care how cold it is. We live in Colorado. I don't care how cold it is. My kid is outside in shorts with snow boots yep. and it is pretty common that we get comments on the sidewalk. Oh my gosh, aren't you cold? Why didn't you dress your kid appropriately today? And he's tired of hearing those comments. He doesn't need you to rag on him for not wearing pants. Yeah. And so my go-to answer is just, it's not my legs that are cold. You know, right? <laughs> if he wants to wear pants because he's cold, he'll put them on. But I buy one pair of pants a year because I know that they're not going to get worn, but just for an emergency situation, like they're in the back of the drawer, just in case. Yeah. But to know that that sensory struggle is real and yeah. then other people go, oh, yeah, I hate those tags on that, you know, specific brand of shirt or it, it just helps people understand, kind of fill in those pictures that it's not that you know, we can't afford clothes or something, right? <laughs> it's that that is his choice to dress like that. Yes. And I am not going to martyr myself on you're wearing pants today because it's cold. <laughs> right. I mean, really, we just need to educate people to stop asking all these questions. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's not your legs that are getting cold. We've gone to the park and it's only been 50 degrees. And I've had comments about you know, you're, you didn't put jackets on your kids, but you put them on yourself. Like they're in the car and they just refuse to wear them. <laughs> right. Right. Plus they're running yeah. around and I'm sitting here watching. So, you know, <laughs> right. Well, let's talk about how you found the curriculum that you use. Cause I use Memoria Press and I love it. I don't know a lot about the Simply Classical or how it's different from what we use in Memoria Press. So can you explain that a little bit? 
So we use Memoria Press as well for our base curriculum. Um, and I know there are a lot of homeschoolers out there that maybe look at that beautiful Memoria Press catalog and it just terrifies them because there's so much in there and they think that is just way too much. That's not what I'm interested in. Or um, we have a math program and we love it and you're not going to make me change my math program. And that's okay. The beautiful thing about Memoria Press is that it's bits and pieces. And so if you want to like dip your toe in the water and try Christian studies or, you know, your kid loves birds and you can get just that one science curriculum and, and give it a try mm -hmm. and, and slowly move into it. There's no Memoria Press police that's going to show up at your house and be like, you need to buy the whole core and do it according to that curriculum guide, because that's just how it is. So originally, um, I, I got into Memoria Press really for my middle daughter, who was listening to those early lessons with my son and was just soaking it in. But she kind of needed something to keep, she's my busybody who has to get into everything. She is why child locks were invented. <laughs> and so I needed something to occupy her, right? So that she had something constructive to do. I, I discovered that if she had to think about something, you know, like learn something, it kept her brain busy and it kept her out of mischief. And so I originally, the, I think the very first thing that I purchased was their preschool. Um, core, which is just lots of fun, uh, mm -hmm. read aloud books. And mm -hmm. it's just uh, like great couch time and very gentle and with some arts and crafts thrown in. Mm -hmm. And she loved it. And, um, you know, you get the, you get the catalog with your order. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I started looking through that and, um, I don't think that Simply Classical had been published yet. It was in the making at that point. And eventually like that got published and we got into that um, for Simply Classical 1, I think is the first one that was published. And we went through that and it was just a breath of fresh air from going from like hodgepodging my own thing together and um, in the other curriculums that we had used, I wasn't sure what I could eliminate, like what was fluff and what was important. Right. And as a new homeschool mom, I, I didn't have the experience. And so if it was in the curriculum guide, by golly, we're going to check those boxes because somebody told us that we had to somewhere along the lines. <laughs> and, but we didn't have the attention span for it. And there were Sometimes we didn't get it in the time frame, right? Like one lesson of math took more than one day to accomplish, but the schedule said we had to move on. And that was a lot of that early struggle with the other curriculums of not knowing how to make those adjustments, those accommodations. And Simply Classical was a breath of fresh air. So Simply Classical is your traditional Memoria Press curriculum, but 
adjusted in very specific ways for kids that learn different. It has more and it's just added in there, which is the beauty for that busy mama. You know, maybe you're the mom who loves Pinterest and you've got all your boards out there and you're just clicking stuff every which way and you can find all these great craft projects or go along books or blah, blah, blah. But I didn't have that time. I had three little kids and I wanted open and go. And um, we all hear all these different ways to get the lessons into the kids, you know, the, to make it visual and auditory and kinesthetic and tactile. And that's all well and good. But tell me how to do that with today's lesson, right? Um, and that is in that curriculum guide. It's beautiful. So it's your traditional core. Mm -hmm. but with those accommodations already written in. So it will list a game to play with your math facts. Okay. It will list um, different phonics games. We laid out different phonics cards around the living room. And I would say like a, a blend and my child would run around and try and find the phonics, you know, letters that matched the sound that I was saying. Okay. So, there's movement built into that. He's having to think, okay, this is what I hear. And these are the letters that make that sound. So this is the card that I'm looking for. Oh, but I found this card. Is this the right card? No, this isn't the right card. And so they're getting all sorts of great review, but they're having fun doing it. Okay. The other big adjustment in the Simply Classical curriculum is the pacing, which is huge with our special needs learners mm -hmm. that sometimes they just take longer to learn something and that's not a bad thing mm -hmm. but for our mommy brain that says we need to check these boxes off you get behind in you 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 know that your kid needs more time on their math fact or something and so you pause and you spend some time on that well now your beautiful curriculum guide you're on page 56 on this week and you know the other one and so for that just to be written in is a, a burden lifted but also we were talking about comparisons earlier don't think that your kid doesn't know that they're three weeks behind in math you know because every time you teach them a math lesson you have to flip back in the curriculum guide so it kind of normalizes it that everything is is still on pace and it's the feeling of success that everything is is going good and if if your child a lot of special needs kids have some ace i don't know if i can say this right asynthricity um it's like where they're out of sync on different things so they okay. might be struggling with math but doing just amazing with reading or something. Mm -hmm. We so, have that. <laughs> so the beauty is if your child doesn't need the special needs curriculum for reading, you can just piece that out and go on to and, and order just the appropriate grade level reading okay. and, and put it into your curriculum guide and vice versa. Maybe you have a neurotypical child, but they really struggle 
people with their reading. And, but they're on grade level for their math, for, for everything else. But man, reading just did not come easy and really struggles. You can go onto the webpage and just buy just the schedule portion that you need for the books that you want to read. It's, it's beautiful. It's like plug and play with homeschool curriculum, which is just, just really like freeing, I guess, is the way that I would say that, that you're still following a schedule. You, you don't have to recreate the wheel. Somebody else has done that hard work for you, but you can plug and play with what specifically your child, their strengths and their weaknesses are. Okay. I didn't realize that. I didn't realize it was just the same. So, so say like for next year, my, you know, my four-year-old is not really where my other kids were in at four. And so if I was going to get the kindergarten for him, but I'm worried that he doesn't know all of his letter sounds yet or, his, or even his letters. So I would still get that simply classical kindergarten and it would have all the same things just at a slower pace. Is that, is that right? Pretty much. So long-term wise, if you take longer to do kindergarten, things don't, continue to line up okay. as you go up the grades, right? If you take longer to do kindergarten, obviously first grade is not going to line up. Right. Um, so keep that in mind. But once again, the biggest gift you can give to your child is to meet them where they're at yeah. and allow them to be successful instead of constantly prodding that child along or dragging them by their hand through the curriculum of we must keep up we must keep up this gives them that ability to work at their ability level so there are readiness assessments on the simply classical and the memoria press webpage i highly recommend that because it will just to take your mama hand and say, print this sheet out, ask your child these questions, and it will say, if your child scores, you know, 90% and above, we would recommend this level. If your child is still learning these skills, we would recommend this level. Okay. Um, and then once you get to about like third grade in the mm -hmm. classical core in, in the traditional Memoria Press classic core, um, that's simply classical, like five, six, they're, they're pretty close in levels. And so you could at that point kind of transition to the traditional core if you wanted to. And then once again, if you needed, if your child is still struggling with one aspect, you can piece out that specific part of the curriculum in order to continue to meet them where they're at, say in their writing level or, or in their reading, something like that, or in their math, any of those. Okay, that's really good to know. I, I know a lot about the, you know, Memoria Press regular. I, I don't know how you, how you call that, just the Memoria Press, but I didn't really know anything about Simply Classical, so that's really good to know. Um, okay, so let's talk about Latin. I That's how I found Memoria Press was Latin. I love it. I actually talked to a Memoria Press online academy teacher on here a couple weeks ago, and that episode has gotten um, a lot of good feedback. So, um, and that's what, when people see Memoria Press, they think, you know, rigorous classical education, lots of Latin. Do you think, how, how important do you think it is for a special needs kid? I think one of the benefits of Memoria Press 
in general is how methodical it is mm -hmm. that what you learn in in second grade plays into third grade what you learn in third grade um plays into the the later levels it's just this beautiful stair step process mm -hmm. so that method that methodology there of one step before the next and very um like once your kids figure out the flow of their day it's not that math one day is going to be 10 minutes and the next day it's going to be 40 minutes it's very structured which special needs kids and all kids really thrive on having that structure mm -hmm. and that is what latin is yeah latin is the methodology latin is structured thinking okay. to think deeply on something to master it in small steps that then lead into bigger steps that's the beauty of latin yeah and that's why it's important now once again i've never had the memoria press police show up <laughs> at my house and so if latin terrifies you or this is just not something that you are interested in doing in your homeschool that doesn't mean that you can't do the rest of memoria press right that you can eliminate that if that is your stumbling block from using this great curriculum and all of the other aspects of it take that rock out of your backpack honey mm -hmm. and just continue on um latin is taught in the simply classical curriculum mm -hmm. but it is taught at a slower pace mm -hmm. with more of those visual and auditory and kinesthetic and tactile games and ways to review ways to learn it's yeah. already built into that curriculum let's just see what kind of games it, it has i teach latin to my kids but also in a tutorial and i would i would love to know more more games i'm gonna have to look at that does it still teach the same like the prima latina the latina christiana it still teaches the same books yes it does they use the same books there is a simply classical games book which is um might be great for your tutorial setting or even for like younger kids that maybe are going through it um mm -hmm. almost as like an auditing kind of process because their big brother or sister or somebody else in the class is going through it so it's a streamlined games book with um just less visual distractions okay. and um so we we have used that and and we enjoy it um personally for us it it is a struggle spot for sure because there are so many balls in the air that you're trying to juggle and realistically as a parent i say we really need to work on arithmetic and phonics mm -hmm. and if i have to choose what we're going to focus our time on because we have a short window of opportunity of attention span i need to spend my time there right um that doesn't mean that it just goes by the the wayside forever but i need to be okay with focusing on things that are important stepping stones for my child as they move through that 
and there are other there are accommodations that you can make there like spelling is a huge struggle for us yeah and so if we're struggling with spelling english words spelling latin is going to be an equal struggle bus right so you know you could do accommodations for that you can list out the um the, the latin words so that they can copy down the proper spelling i'm not telling you what those words are so yeah. you would still have to make that connection right of knowing which word goes yeah. on your test blank there but you know that would be a, a traditional accommodation so simply classical does cover latin i think it's great because it works on that methodical thinking organized thinking and um there's no like like tricks to it you know what i mean like in english there's all these silly spellings and and things like that and latin is not like that there's like one spelling that makes one sound mm -hmm. and once you learn those it's it's beautiful like you can just cookie cutter paste that down the way instead of being like wait, how is it spelled in this specific, how do we spell ah in this specific word? It's like, no, exactly. there's only one spelling for that. Yes, that's so, why I love it. <laughs> or one of the reasons. Exactly, exactly. And that's why kids love it too. It makes more sense to them. So do you see that it with special, in special needs too, that, that just makes more sense to them, so. Yes. Yes. I love Latin. I understand why that's scary though. And I'm glad that you said what you said about you don't have to, to use all of it because I've heard so many people say, well, the language arts doesn't work unless you do Latin, right? Or the reading doesn't work unless you do Latin, right? And like, I mean, I love the way it all fits together. I do, but it's okay to not have it all fit together. Like we don't, we don't use the math and I actually add in some more science sometimes if it's a year that that's like, we've already gone over some things in mammals or, you know, so um, we do add some things. Now, I personally do love the literature, the Latin and the grammar and how it all does fit together, but it could also be taken apart and it would be still a good education in my opinion. So I'm glad that you said that because that's a question that I get a lot. <laughs> and, and also the beauty of the Simply Classical curriculum, maybe you're a traditional homeschooler out there that's terrified of Latin. Then get the simply classical Latin yeah. that works at a slower pace and you mama get yourself a book too and work through it with your kids learn it with your kids keep your gray matter fresh and yeah. show your kids that this is hard and to play the games with them and you can't remember what chelo means and and for your kids to be like Oh, look at that. Mom doesn't know everything. <laughs> right. And you know that that is really, uh, that's a good learning experience for everybody that no matter your age, this is not that you go to school, you know, until you turn 18 or whatever, right. but I can continue to learn and push myself past my preference, you know, yeah. and to, to live out there a little bit. I think that is a great lesson for our kids to see. So if you're terrified of teaching Latin, get the slower pace Latin with Simply Classical. It has all those fun review games. It's a slower pace. So um, it's usually taught over two years. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, just enjoy that opportunity with your kids. Yes. And I think that's a big reason kids like it so much or in my experience they have is because they're learning something that we don't know. And so they love right. going and telling their daddy, oh, do you know what Chalo means? You know, do, do you know where ambulance derived from? Did you know it came from Ambulo? You know, like that they just love being able to teach adults things that we don't know. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> and I really enjoy the pronunciation and the pronunciation. You can't pronounce it wrong. Right. There, there's yeah. no Latin out there. You know, somebody who's going to tell you, you said ambulo wrong. Yeah. Um, it's, it's okay. It, it's not like Spanish where you might come across a Spanish speaker out there who's like, oh, you, you said that word with the wrong pronunciation. There's no Latin, you know, know out there that's going to come back and tell you your pronunciation was wrong. Because there's a lot of debate about what is it like, um, I forget, there's two different there's the classical and ecclesiastical. Latin. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. Classical and ecclesiastical. People are like, well, which one is it? It doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't I know. matter, right? My seventh graders, I tell them that all the time because I, especially I have one that's very like by the book and checks the boxes, which I love that about him because I'm not really like that. But I have to remind them all the time ancient Romans are not going to come back from the dead and tell you that you're saying it wrong. You know, like there's nobody here. It's like, right. you know, <laughs> so yeah, that's exactly. Really I love that. So what would you to say to someone who has a middle school, a middle school student with special needs being pulled from the public school system? Cause he hasn't been doing well. Like, how do you, I mean, you mentioned taking a test, but how do you really know where to put them into if they were going to use simply classical how would you really know where to put them where would they, where would they fall especially when they've been in public school for so long that that is tricky because especially if you're if your child has gone to away school what you consider ability and success might have a very different definition in that setting mm-hmm. and so you might be told that your child is reading at a specific level, you know, like they might tell you a Lexile level or something like that, that your child is reading at, but it's important for you to do your own research mm-hmm. to, to verify that that's accurate, especially with reading, because there's, there's a difference between an instructional level and their like comfort level. Mm-hmm. And so they might be able to read at a specific level and you want to kind of push them up into that um, instructional level, but you wouldn't hand them that instructional book and be like, go and read that and come back and tell me because it's above them. It, it just blows their mind. They're, they get upset. They're going to you know, tear the book in half or something. It's going to disappear under the couch. Mm-hmm. Somebody posted on the forum the other day that she had cleaned her homeschool room and behind the trash can, like he was up against the wall. And like, there was the literature book, like between the wall and the trash can. And she was like, I don't know if it fell off the desk or if maybe it just missed the trash can. Like, <laughs> I'm not sure which one, which one it is. So you want to make sure that you meet them where they're at. Mm-hmm. Um, my biggest recommendation is this is not a decision that you need to make today. Okay. Yeah. So take some time. And this is true for anybody who is pulling their kid out of a 
different schooling system and bringing them home. Your number one goal is to get along with each other. Mm-hmm. That, that needs to be your basis. Mm-hmm. Not that we pulled you out of school on Friday and we're going to start homeschool on Monday. Your first lesson is learn how to not kill each other in the same house for as long as you're going to be in there together. And we can laugh about that, but that is so true that your quirks and things like that. Now your house is going to be messier. This kid is always messing stuff up. You know, it stayed clean during the day and you know, all of that take some time to get to know each other as human beings again. Mm -hmm. And by doing that, take some time to go to the library and see what books they pick out to read on their own. What section are they going to? Um, and, And how fast do they move through the book? So my son loves history. He loves it. And he might go and look through a history book, but he's just looking at the pictures. So he might pick out quite quite a high-level book, right? Mm-hmm. But he's not really reading it. He's reading the captions. He's putting t- together his own story based on the pictures of artifacts or art pieces or things like that that are in the book. So see what books your child chooses to truly read. And then it's important for your child to read aloud to you and really try and hold yourself back from being like, really Amelia Bedelia, you're going to pick out Amelia Bedelia. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Because that might be at their ability level. And for them, to enjoy reading. If this has been a struggle spot, you might want to start out pretty low in order to build them up, in order to let them have some success and to realize, hey, this is okay that that I'm enjoying this. And who knows, they might even take a book like to better something and not to hide it. They might actually want to read it. And that would be an amazing experience for a kid who would have never have picked up a book on their own beforehand. That is so true. One of the key things about specifically literature, because we're kind of talking about that with those upper grade levels is the writing ability matches their reading ability. Mm-hmm. So um, a lot of people ask this, well, my kid has already read Farmer Boy, or my kid has already read Charlotte's Web. We read it as a read aloud last year. And so I don't want to spend time doing that as part of our class. Reading it for enjoyment mm-hmm. and reading it for school are two entirely different things. Yep. And to be able to not just read it, but to absorb it and understand those minor details that would come up in a literature study and working on writing a complete answer, working on those basic fundamentals of, do we have a subject? You know, do we have a predicate? Do we have a beginning capital? Do we have an ending punctuation mark? Do we have a complete thought? That 
really guides your literature. Mm-hmm. So if a struggle spot, which a lot of times a special needs kid is going to have a struggle spot with writing, getting the words and the ideas from their brain down through their fingers and out into writing um, is a big challenge a lot of times. Yeah. So once again, going back to Andrew Pudua, you can't help them enough. So sit down with that literature guide and model what a good answer is. This literature in Memoria Press is not meant to be handed to the student and they go off to the reading nook and they read that book on their own and they answer those comprehension questions and you come back and see that there's some pencil scribbles on each of those lines in the literature guide and you say, score, we're done with that for the day. It is really meant to be read slowly. This is not a rush through the book. Um, We are not going to read 35 different literature books in a year because that makes us feel good. We are going to read a few books well. We're going to read them deeply. We're going to understand that book. We're going to spend time on it. We're going to build relationships with those characters. Mm -hmm. And that is the beauty of Memorial Press literature. I don't know if you can tell, but I love their literature. I love it. I think it's so well thought out, but that would be my recommendation. If you have a middle school student, that was your example. Don't be afraid. You might find that Charlotte's Web is their reading level, Mm -hmm. and that is not a bad thing. Understand that literature in Memoria Press is pretty advanced, so don't feel bad or ashamed or, oh my gosh, I can't believe I let my kid fall this far behind because they're not reading Othello in seventh grade or, you know, whatever it is. Um, I think they read the Odyssey in seventh grade, don't they? I I haven't got to that point. I'm a fifth grader. (laughs) I think it's seventh grade. They read the Odyssey. And so it's okay if your kid is not to that level. Mm -hmm. If your child's ability is Charlotte's Web. Rock on with that. Enjoy that time with your child. Sit down and read the book with them. Um, And it's also, the idea is that it's team read. So the expectation is not that your kid reads Charlotte's Web by themselves. Right. If your child needs to read a paragraph and you read a paragraph and then they need to read the next paragraph because they're starting to flip like little butterflies off around the room, right? And so you need to switch every paragraph or every page, whatever it is, meet your child where they're at and encourage progress from there. That's, that's the beauty of it. I totally agree with you. I love the literature too. Going like discussing the literature guide is my favorite part of that. And the Latin is my favorite part. But let's talk about we are reading so- Heidi. We uh, are reading Heidi right now. And um, the other, th- so we're reading Heidi and it is, I have not read. Usually I read the books over the summer that we haven't read as we move up in the curriculum. And I didn't get a chance to do that this summer. So my middle daughter is reading Heidi and it is so hard for me not to read ahead. She caught me <laughs> earlier this week like looking in the book and she came over she's like you're not allowed to do that you need to wait for me if i'm not allowed to do it you can't do it either so um they are good classic books yeah but 
we're only reading like two chapters a week because we are building those connections. We're building, you know, deep understanding and, and you get that by working slowly through a book. It's not, it's not a foot race. So we loved Heidi and all of the books we read last year. So this year though, my fifth grader, so she's on the accelerated path for reading, but we've gotten to a point now where she doesn't like what she's reading. We're doing Adam of the road. She doesn't (laughs) like it. It's hard for her to read it. We are going really slow with it, but she has been reading on her own. And then we discuss for a while now. And now we're at a point where I feel like we need to go back to taking turns since she's struggling with it. She just cries and doesn't want to. She thinks that, that she should be at a higher level. You know what I mean? Like she's struggling. I'm, I'm not struggling with it. I, it doesn't bother me, but she's struggling with it. So what would you recommend? Or have you, have you dealt with that? I would say, like, I would just remind that child of how it would be done in school. Sometimes we can use that as an ally, right? And we can say, listen, this is not a bad thing. Like, this is what they would do at the Louisville campus that Memorial Crest comes out of. They are gathered in and they read around the room and everybody gets an opportunity to read and discuss. This is a group project. And um, you could always, because it is read so slowly, she could start to read it and you could set a timer on it and say, I would like for you to read for 35 minutes by yourself. And she might blow through it because she's skipping every other paragraph, right? Because it's hard. And so she's just skipping it or maybe not really internalizing what she's reading. And then you come back the next day. I won, I would say that's reading for the day. And then the next day you read it together from the beginning of your assignment. So she kind of gets it twice so she can read through it on her own and maybe work through some of that vocabulary mm-hmm. and then come back together and work on it together. You can also use audiobooks that way. Mm-hmm. That um, at, at that age, I would say you can listen to the audiobook, but I want you to read along with it in your book. Okay, that's a good idea. So that she's still seeing those vocabulary words. She's still seeing it. And, and, and getting that structure. And then once again, come back together if, if you want to and maybe just read a portion of it. Like I know in a lot of the literature guides, it will pull out for copy work or something. It will pull out a paragraph or it will, mm-hmm. you know, put an emphasis on something. And maybe that's the part that you read together. Okay. Is that, that pull out spot, but pull it out of the book, you know, find it in the book and mm-hmm and read it out of there and just to kind of change it up. If, especially if one book is particularly an issue, maybe is it written in old English or something? Yeah. Is that maybe part of this? It yeah. Is. So it's yeah. to see the flow of the language and maybe hearing it on audible kind of paints the picture for her before she needs to read it herself. So she can kind of see where the story is going mm-hmm. and then She's heard those words before and it just kind of smooths that road a little bit. Okay. Yeah, that's a great idea. Thank you. This has been so great. I am going to ask a few more before I get off here. I hear my kids and my dogs in the background. Hopefully um, it's not too distracting, but so just 
talk about just some daily struggles, like it can be like little struggles, just daily things that you have and how you get through those struggles. So one of the things that we have struggled with is once again, that structure of knowing mm -hmm. what's next. Um, I have been guilty of adding things in the past and I got caught, I got caught red handed that I was adding schoolwork because if you have rough days and then suddenly the stars and the moon have aligned and you, today is a good day. And by golly, we're going to catch up today. Yep. <laughs> and so we start adding in things as a mama to like, woo, you know, this is going good today. So we're going to, we're going to do spelling in all sorts of different ways today. Or we're going to read two chapters in that, you know, book today because you're doing really good. It's important to remember that that curriculum guide is written with like the expectation for a day. Now it's one thing if maybe we had a doctor's appointment or we have a co-op and we're trying to scrunch some stuff down into a smaller package, but really assess whether you don't have to do the week in the week. And maybe you just need to continue on with where you're at the next, the next day. But um, as far as structure, having a visual structure of what needs to be done today. I have made charts in the past that have like a Velcro piece on it. So when you get done with, let's say geography, you can put like the geography sticker on your done board. And you can see on this side of the board, these are things we need to get done and you can move them a piece at a time onto the done side. Visually, you can see that you're to-do list is getting shorter. We yeah. all like that, right? Absolutely. So maybe your child is old enough to see that curriculum guide and let them cross off something that they've done. Now make sure that they have really done what they're crossing off because I've experienced that too. Like 10 o'clock, boom, I'm done. I'm like, really? Can I see your spelling book? Oh, did I not do that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you did do that, you know? Um, so to have that structure in place, it's not me that's telling you what needs to be done. It's like this inanimate object over there, yeah. which kind of puts some distance between that. Also building in some, some breaks mm -hmm. that maybe you know your child needs more of. So maybe before you start your day, you make sure that everybody goes out and takes a walk around the block. Um, building in some sensory breaks, maybe in the middle of the day. My special needs student will start to uh, make like spontaneous utterances in the middle of work. Like, oh, oh, you know, and it's terribly distracting to everybody else. But to see that and realize we're at our limit. Yeah. That, that is a response. At first, you want to just be like, would you knock that off? Just sit down and do your work because you're distracting everybody else. Yeah. But to see it for what it is, which is, I need a break. I need to change this up a little bit and maybe let them have, we have stuff that's set aside for those kind of sensory breaks. We have Mundo and Play-Doh and little construction uh, like 
whatever they are, like little race car things, but they're construction equipment, mm -hmm. little Hot Wheels cars that are construction equipment. And so you can push that around in the, in the moon sand or maybe doing some push-ups, doing some heavy lifting kind of stuff is important. Maybe it's just time to take a snack break, you know, and let everybody get up and, and move around. But appreciating that maybe today we're not going to get everything done. And that's that gentle balancing act of mm -hmm. when are they getting your goat, right? When are they using and abusing the, um, I can't do this anymore card. And yeah. when do you gently push them like, well, can you just do two more problems? Yeah. And you might need to change up how you do your instruction, you know, that you, just like you said, you thought that you had kind of moved into some independent work and now suddenly we need to make this a little bit more interactive where I'm going to sit next to you in math and I'm going to say, wow, great job on that problem. Let's look at the next one. Mm -hmm. Wow, great job on that problem. Let's look at the next one. Just ad nauseum through the rest of that worksheet page. And then at the end, you say, see, look at you. You are good at math. You did that whole page all by yourself. Look at you. And build up that positive mm -hmm. um, side of your child that to, to realize when, when you need to change your approach is, is something that flexes. Yes. And that's hard. So, okay. So I like that what all you just said, but it reminded me of a question that I was, that I did have that I, I experienced with my own kids and I know so many people do. So, you know, it's so hard to know, okay, when do I let them take a break? And when are they just manipulating me? Because they know if they throw this fit or if they cry that I might decide it's time, oh, let's go run around the yard. So, I mean, that's, that, I know that's not an easy question to answer, but I mean, I think the just knowing that you deal with it too, though, like, and what you, you know, like, what, what do you do when that happens? Do you have that happen? And how often? <laughs> for, for sure. I get it. So at our, at our latest assessment, the woman came back and she said, you know, the clinician came back and she said, um, I would recommend a lot more breaks than what you're giving. Um, I would recommend, you know, a break after every subject. Now that sounds all well and good. But somebody needs to lasso those kids back in here to the table right. after their break. And we can say, listen, we're going to take a five-minute break. And 35 minutes later, you can't find them. Like, they're hiding in a closet somewhere <laughs> because they know you're looking for them. Yeah. You know? So I, I get it. That is a struggle spot for us as well. I think one of the ways that that... I have found to handle that is to make like a known ending point. So if you take a walk, we're going to take a walk around the block. And when we come back, we're going to hang our coats up. We're going to get a drink and we're going to go back to the table. Yeah. Like as a verse to let's just have some free play time until, you know, whenever yeah. that's really open ended. Yeah. Um, so I get that, but then in my situation, and there's so many who have younger kids, I say, okay, this is what we're going to do at this time. Oh, well, then the two-year-old has a potty accident, and the four-year-old <laughs> pours, you know, glitter all over the floor, and the dog poops in the floor, and then 30 minutes later, <laughs> you know. Right, and that part of that is, like, 
just the reality of how it is. And that is just having little people and like real life is just messy. One of the things that has helped around here is to have a visual timer. So it's not, it's not me that's setting a timer. You can put a timer on the microwave and when it dings, it's time to come back. Um, But for everybody, special needs or not, to see that time, like visually in a sand timer, like ticking down, not that it's just these abstract numbers, but you can see your time is decreasing. Um, And you could do that with breaks and use it also during schoolwork. We're gonna do math for 35 minutes. I want you to work really hard and stay focused on your math page for 12 minutes. And you know, when you, if you focus for 12 minutes, then you can have a three minute break or, or something like that. Um, and that's where, and sometimes we get distracted too, right? Like I get to folding laundry and then it's just like the momentum of the day has shifted and it's really hard to come back to it. Sometimes we just need to say, okay, and start fresh the next day. And that's okay. Yeah. It's okay. We don't get snow days. Sometimes we get snow days because we just need to go outside and play. But we don't have parent-teacher conference days off. We don't take two weeks for Christmas and, you know, two weeks for spring break. And so you do have a little bit more play in your schedule there of, of working through that kind of stuff. So if your day gets derailed, understand that that's a teachable moment. We are teaching our kids in real life that sometimes the baby needs attention and that family is priority. And so I'm going to sit down and I'm going to love on that baby for the next hour because the baby is teething or whatever. Somebody's sick and puking on the floor and, you know, that that's real life and that's okay. We're going to take a minute. We're going to take a break. We're going to love on the people that need to be loved on Mm -hmm. and we'll start fresh tomorrow. And that is a gift that we are given that we can pass on to our children. Yes, absolutely. That's so encouraging. It's just, we know these things, I think, but it's so nice to hear other people say it versus when we just see on Instagram and Facebook, all of the fun things that somebody does in a day and not like, all of these, all of these little struggles that they're going through, you know, <laughs> I think that's the really hard part about YouTube and, and Instagram and all of those is you see these beautiful school rooms. You see these kids that are dressed and they look nice and their hair's done and everybody's saying, please and thank you. And, you know, they get in the car when you tell them to get in the car and they all have their shoes on and nobody's fighting about, she's looking at me. My favorite is she's looking out my window. The kid sits in the middle. She's got to look out somebody's window, folks. So like get over yourselves back there. But the baby isn't screaming about, I don't want to put my seatbelt on or that's not reality. Understand that what is going on in your house is reality. And so we don't want our kids to be bullied at school and we don't want them to be bullied at our dining room table. But as moms, we need to not bully ourselves and we need to not bully other moms and to be realistic with our expectations, not only for like how clean your house is Mm -hmm. 
or you know that your kid doesn't wear socks and shoes ever <laughs> you know that's okay that that it will all work out in the long term because this is this is the marathon this is not the 100 yard dash and so live each moment and you know say tomorrow will be a better day and we will learn from what happened today and we might need to learn that lesson again tomorrow and that's okay but to to start each day with grace and maybe we need new grace every hour or every 10 minutes you know yeah but that's that's okay it will it will all work out in the long run yes those are such wise words okay one last thing to ask you um, I hear my, I don't know if you hear them, but my kids are, my 10 year old. No, I can't. Is, They're totally fine. Okay. Well, my 10 year old keeps telling my four year old, don't go in there. <laughs> um, so, I mean, you have like such wise words and everything you've said is just so, so encouraging, but I know starting out, it wasn't always this way. So if you could go back to when, to the beginning, knowing what you know now, would you have done anything differently? I think that. I tried to like jump in too fast. I felt so much pressure to pick a curriculum and go with it and to check every box um, because that's what, you know, somebody somewhere else decided equaled, this equals kindergarten. And if you really look at curriculum, at all sorts of different curriculums, go to a convention hall when they open again, right? <laughs> and see what equals kindergarten at this table and what equals kindergarten at that table. And they're also very different. Really spend some time and say, what do I want to accomplish? What, what is important to my family? What is important in our situation, like this year, because it could change, you know, you can move, you can, you know, there's job changes, there's all sorts of changes out there. So don't plan too far ahead. I think that was a big part of it. There are definitely mamas out there who have, you know, kids in kindergarten and they're asking about the high school curriculum. Honey, yeah, you got plenty of time. <laughs> <laughs> right, and like, you got plenty of time, relax. Um, so make sure that you, that you spend time looking for curriculum, but also appreciating your child and, and you, what your strengths and weaknesses are, what your child's strengths and weaknesses are. And sometimes they're really young and you don't know. Um, but understand that your kid is probably different than you. And so how you learn, um, is probably going to be totally opposite for them, right? That's just that's just how it goes. So, but make don't pick a curriculum just based on them because you have to teach it too. It needs to play to some of your strengths. I love uh, what is that? Kathy Duffy's yes, one hundred and one books. Yeah, I highly recommend that because it really made me think about what my strengths are, mm -hmm. and then it points out like this would be really quite a challenge for you or something, you know, is flagged of this is really time intensive. Well, I had a two year old. I didn't need time intensive. Like just cross that baby right off from the get go. Understanding your child, understanding where they're coming from, your goals. And somebody else said something 
I think once you get past kindergarten, because kindergarten is like arts and crafts, it's fun, like appreciate kindergarten for what it is, have fun with it. But once you get to about like third grade, look down the path of that curriculum. When you're at that convention booth, walk over and look at eighth grade, look at 11th grade. Is that where you want your child to be? Does that align with your goals for this child, for your family? Because in theory, what we're learning in third grade should stair step us towards that. And if you have, say, higher aspirations than what you see in that seventh grade bucket over there, then maybe this third grade curriculum is not where you should be and you need to move to a different booth. Yeah. So I would say like that third grade level, that's when you can start looking further down the line, but don't marry into it. I did this. I won't name a curriculum, but I really thought this was the cat's meow. I was going to get it. It was going to be amazing. And then I saw some on Craigslist. Oh my goodness. I snapped those babies up for a smoking hot deal. And they were in buckets, you know, in the, in the garage. And then, so they didn't work out real well. And those babies went back on Craigslist, but it was really hard for me to part with them because I had spent good money on them and I really had fallen in love with them, but it was an ideal that didn't match up with reality, with what I really hoped and dreamed for. So it's okay to plan for the future, but keep it within reason. That's what I would go back and I would tell myself. And I would say um, that to be realistic with expectations and that this, it will all work out. It, it will be okay. Have faith, have patience, Don't be too quick to make adjustments, but don't be afraid to make adjustments. If you guys are crying, Mm -hmm. look, hard stop, hard stop, reassess. And it's, that's not failure as long as you learn from your mistakes. So hard stop, reassess, what do you like? What do you not like? And and move from there because that's a learning experience for everybody. Yes, definitely. That's so good. Like that, those are things that we all, all need to learn. Sometimes we need to learn on our own. I've had to learn all of these things again and again and again, (laughs) but it does help just to know that we're not alone. It it helps so much to hear that others have the same struggles, the same searches for curriculum, the same, you know, like it just really helps. So thank you so much for being on here. It's been really nice to get to know you. Yes, this was very fun. It started out as like stressful and nervous, but (laughs) my goal is to use the struggles that we had and hopefully smooth the path a little bit for the person that's coming behind me. So if, if I have accomplished that, then, um, this, this has been great. It's been a lot of fun. I'm so glad we got to sit down and chat today. Yes, me too. Thank you so much.